Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to the Radically Loved podcast. I almost said... (laughs) Wisdom Wednesday. (laughs) So Tessa is here with us. And for those of you that don't know, Tessa is the director of operations here at the Radically Loved headquarters that have our (laughs) non-localized. I almost said global, but I don't know. Is that really accurate? It's not really because we're not global. We're, I mean, people are listening to this from around the globe as we've seen. Yeah. Well, so. at least national, because we travel with our equipment yes. and record from this is true location, random places, randomness. Yeah, randomness. <laughs> so, just to ease everyone's minds, we will be starting. Actually, I am excited to say that we will be bringing back wisdom. Wednesday. Oh, Tessa's hearing this right now for the first time. Happy dance. I'm happy. (laughs) She's doing a a happy... Well, technically, she's not heard it for the first time, but yes, she is making her efforts to show you her excitement because we're both very excited. Wisdom Wednesday is the best. I love it. It really is. It is my favorite, my favorite podcast to record, I have to say. Uh Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. I just feel like we get to just catch up, chat with each other, say the things. Say all the things. So, (laughs) well, I am really excited about today's episode. As all of our episodes, they're always extremely special and extremely unique. But today's guest, Christopher Rivas, is an actor, author, podcaster, and storyteller best known for his on-screen work on the Fox series Call Me Cat. In addition, he hosts two podcasts, one which is by the same name of his book called Brown Enough. And he is really, truly creative and an artist. This book was so transformative for me, like his stories of being a brown person and finding his place and really his journey to self-discovery is one that I feel everyone could relate to, but specifically anyone who comes from that black or brown background. So I'm excited to share this conversation. And Tessa, you listened to this podcast. What were your thoughts? Well, immediately, I mean, I can't help but think about my husband, Jorge, who's who's from Celaya, Guanajuato. And I just heard a lot of his voice and and what Chris had to say in terms of his experiences being in the middle of this idea of a white society and a black society and Jorge's falling in the middle and, and being brown and not feeling like 
he's enough of any, not necessarily that Jorge said this, but from my perspective, watching him move through, in particular, his business career, graduating from school with a couple of degrees and following his trajectory of working his way up, I guess, the corporate ladder and having some really poignant experiences in the workplace where it seemed to me like he was experiencing racism with, I'm not going to name any names, but a couple of different managers, one in particular who actually said that because they were both people of color, she said to him at one point at a holiday party that she was extra hard on him because he was a person of color. And she apparently felt like it was her duty to make his skin a little bit thicker. So I remember this time in our lives, we were maybe out of college for a couple of years and we would be driving to work and Jorge's stress was palpable. He would be holding the steering wheel and his breathing would be like ragged and I could see the tension. I could feel the tension coming off of him. And I think what he was experiencing in the workplace was this like discrimination, this being put down, this kind of shame or like this idea that he had to work two times as hard, three times as hard, four times as hard as anyone else to actually have a place at the table. I mean, he felt like he was going to get fired and I don't know, maybe he would have, but that's just one example of, as I think back, and he and I have been together for over a decade now about just different ways that his life has been more arduous for him. And so, I don't know, I think about I really, I'm curious. I don't know if you guys spoke about this because I got about halfway through the interview and and now here we are. But I'm, I actually haven't asked Jorge this, but I'm curious what you think, Rosie. What do you think the impact is for black and brown children when they don't see themselves depicted like growing up in, in TV and representative films and television or maybe like a lead character and not just like a supporting character, but like a lead character, a heroine or something. Yeah, well, I think that the natural inclination is to assimilate to whiteness, right? Because yeah. we want to be like the heroines or heroes of the shows that we watch. And if we're not seeing ourselves represented, then there is a semblance of losing your identity a little bit because yeah. you want to aspire to be the person you're seeing on screen. And I think that this is why not having representation for the diverse community that we have, you know, when you can see yourself represented on the big screen, it gives you hope, like you can achieve the same thing. You know, I've talked about this myself growing up in an environment that was largely riddled by gang violence. There weren't any role models. You either were somebody that worked at a factory, you worked as a cleaning staff, or you spent your day just being a a gangster, (laughs) you know, like those were really the options. And I'm not trying to degrade the working class or, or these very humble working people, not to say that there isn't a level of respect and and there is value there. But I think for me, being first-generation Mexican-American, I think that the hope was always, you should be better. Like, mm-hmm. you need to be better. You need to do better. Mm-hmm. And conceptually understanding that, but then not having a role model of what it should look like, unless I was aspiring to be an actor, you know, or or somebody in the public I, you know, which wasn't always my intention. You know, I I just wanted to be somebody who was proud of 
what I was doing, you know, and something that I loved to do, something that I was passionate about. So I think that the impact in not having it represented innately as humans, we have to emulate something, someone. So I think that that's part of the process of assimilation. I mean, we obey and abide by laws that we did not create. We speak a language that we did not create. We, in either way, right? Because like the Spanish conquistadors like came and taught the indigenous people of Mexico Spanish, you know? So, so it's just like when you start to really think about identity, I mean, it, it can be a very nuanced topic, mm -hmm. but I feel that at least having people that look like you makes you feel like you have a place. And I think it's important, especially for young kids to feel represented and to feel like they have a place because they do. And I think that's why this story is so important. You know, the book is about at a time, this is part of the book blurb, at a time when disinformation, hate crimes, inequality, racial injustice, and white supremacy are on the rise, Brown Enough, part memoir and part social commentary emerges, asking readers to proudly put their bodies, their identities into the conversations of race. Brown Enough is a roller coaster of finding one's true self while simultaneously having a racial awakening amidst the struggle to be perfectly Latinx, woke, and as brown as possible to make it in today's America. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's deep. Like it is deep. It is some, he goes into some deep topics and he is so poetic and creative in his storytelling. So, I mean, you get just a tiny glimpse of it in this very short conversation, but I, I implore the people out there who this is speaking to, to get the book, to read the book, to listen to the book. He narrates the entire thing. He actually talks about him having to audition for his own audiobook, which was a little bit of a mind fuck for him. <laughs> like he was, yeah, he talks about it towards the, the end of the podcast. So such a great, great interview. I'm excited to share it with everybody. And Tessa, I'm, I'm excited for you to get to the end of the conversation because I think it's one that you, you're really going to like. I already do. Hey, everyone. It's Rosie. It's hard to overstate how important magnesium is for all aspects of our health. Everyone now talks about how critical magnesium is for us. Dr. Hyman, Andrew Huberman, and all of the health industry authorities and doctors. There is a long list of symptoms and diseases that can be eased or even treated with magnesium. In fact, way back, magnesium was a critical element. Doctors use magnesium for all kinds of conditions, from arrhythmia to constipation to preeclampsia and even seizures. For some reason, now doctors use it as a last resort and put patients on high doses of magnesium if they're at risk of premature labor, seizure, or other various conditions. Now, I'm normally a big advocate of getting as many of our nutrients as we can from a well-balanced diet, and it would be just perfect if we could all do that. But getting the amount of magnesium that you need just from food is a lot of work. And it could also be extremely taxing for our agricultural system. I read somewhere that if 10 years ago we needed to eat one orange, now we would need to eat 10 to get the same amount of nutrients. 
it is just simply impossible to eat the amount of food to get the minerals that we need. Fortunately, Bioptimizers has the solution. Their magnesium breakthrough supplement is the only product in the market with all seven types of magnesium. And it's specifically formulated to reach every tissue in your body to provide maximum health benefits. Bioptimizers Magnesium Breakthrough gives you access to the full spectrum of magnesium, which can dramatically improve your overall health from reducing stress to improving sleep and boosting your energy levels. Right now, you can try Bioptimizers Magnesium Breakthrough and any other Bioptimizer product for 10% off. Just go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved. That's M A G B R E A. K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash radically loved and use the code radically loved 10 to boost your intake of magnesium and start feeling better today. Don't wait to be deficient. Start taking the best magnesium and improve your well-being right now. Just go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Radically Loved Podcast. I am so excited about our guest today. His name is Christopher Rivas, and he is the author of Brown Enough, True Stories About Love, Violence, The Student Loan Crisis, Hollywood, Race, Familia, and Making It in America. Thank you so much, Chris, for being here today. Thank you. That's a long title. It is. It is a long long ass title, title. but so, so good. And I have to tell you, like, first of all, when I opened your book and I read the dedication and I'm totally going to botch this. So forgive me if I fuck this up. But I remember you saying something along the lines of you dedicate it to little brown kids who like want to aspire for more, see themselves in a more vibrant way. And uh-huh. you say, I see you, I hear you, we hear or something uh-huh. like this. Did I, yeah. did I fuck that that's, up? That's it. That's it. Okay. So, so all the when, little brown kids who need to see themselves grander and more vibrant, but don't, I see you, I hear you, we hear. Oh, uh, I love the minute that I opened it up and read that I was like, I got chills. I'm like, oh, here we are. Like, we're here. Here we are. We're doing this. We're doing the thing. So we're literally here. We're literally here. here. You know? Fully present. So part so we met at the Latino Hive earlier this year, and I got the privilege of seeing you read straight hot off the press from your manuscript. It's the first time I ever read it out loud. Yeah. And it was, I have to say, one of the most moving experiences I've had in my entire life. Obviously, the writing is brilliant. So kudos to you. The writing is like A+. plus. You get a five-star Yelp review (laughs) on the writing. But I think it was maybe just being around our community, you know, like people of of same similar backgrounds. And after just such an incredible couple of days together, and then just hearing the story that you read about your parents, it was just, I think every single person in that room was able to relate to that story and um, all the nuance behind uh, your experiences I was really excited to have you on the show and to have this conversation with you. So I'll continue to sing your praises if you want me to, or you could just tell me what inspired you to write this book. 
what inspired it? The main inspiration, the like jumping off point was that I went to see Ta-Nehisi Coates give this talk at a library in downtown LA. And uh, for those of you listening who don't know who he is, uh, worth go read him. I mean, he's a brilliant mind and thinker and writer and philosopher and being of this time. And he often writes and speaks about race and race politics in America. And so that day he was speaking about race and it sounded very much black and white like race does. And I raised my hand and I asked him a question and I said, in this conversation of black and white, where does that leave me, a Afro-Latino, Dominican, Colombian, brown kid from Queens? You know, where does that put me in the conversation? And he said, not in it. And he said it just like that. And I went home shattered, flabbergasted, confused, wondering, where am I? What does it mean to be in it? What does it mean to not be in it? What is it? What is that space between black and white? And and how do we as brown bodies take up space? How do we use our voice and our bodies in this world to take up space, uh, to be seen and be seen by who? And so all of these questions started emerging from that one incident and this sort of book was born. But this book was born because I kind of turned my life into this laboratory of self where I started sort of blowing things up in my life, asking these big questions. Who do I like? Why am I attracted to this type of person? You know, like, what does it mean to be the only brown person in this space? What is, what is, I look at student loans and climate change and all this stuff in Hollywood and, and I wrote and I wrote everything down. And so you get that book. (laughs) And it's beautifully written. As I said, it is to me like so waxing poetic and I could relate to all of it in some way, shape or form. I'm curious for you when you're talking about this self-inquiry, what that process was like for you, or has it been an ongoing process? It's more gentle now, right? I think any awakening can be both annoying and aggressive at first. Annoying because you kind of can't live in the world without, without seeing this thing you're battling everywhere. I think that's true if you're having a spiritual awakening, like a personal awakening, a racial awakening. The beginning of the awakening will feel like a wave and you're just trying to catch your breath, but the wave keep hitting you. It, like it hits you at the coffee shop. It hits you when you go for a walk. It hits you on a hike. You know, it hits you in the airplane. It hits you at the club. It's just like, it's constantly, you're like, I can't, I can't not see this race or this not in itness anywhere, everywhere. And then it starts to integrate into your body. So at first it's this sort of violent wave and and then it like you start to become intimate with it and you dance with it a little more and you start to accept it and also find your voice in it. And so it becomes a little easier. You're, you're taking up a little more breath and understanding of it. And now I'm at a place where I feel really calm with it. You know, like this is the world as I have come to experience it, you know, I'm not claiming this is everyone's world because we all have our own perceptions and experiences, but this is my world as I have come to experience it. And this is how I have chosen to move through the world. Here's another metaphor. We've all seen the matrix. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of work to unplug. It ain't pretty. Takes a lot of work, kind of violent and aggressive. And it's a choice we have to make. And For me, a lot of my work is about unplugging from whiteness. And in this unplugging from this white binary world, 
I had to really be ready to pull those crazy little things out of my head, out of my spine. And I'm still doing that work, but now I can do it more gently because I've already done a bunch of unplugging. Yeah. What plug, if we're going to use that as a metaphor, was the most difficult to undo? The plug of acceptance and to be desired by whiteness, which for me also comes because I, I chose a career in Hollywood. I love to act. I love it very much. It brings me a lot of joy. But then I chose to be in a career that had to commodify me. When I left college and I had a big curly fro and my white manager told me, I haven't earned that hair, I should shave it all off. And I went home and I cried and, and, I, and I agreed with her silently and I went and shaved off my hair. you know. And the same manager told me to get a nose job. And instead of fighting for myself, I agreed with her and I got one. And the crazy thing is I got more work after I did it. And I have to wonder, is it just an inner confidence thing or is it because I look more Eurocentric, thing, mm. more acceptable? So one of the biggest plugs was, was that of wanting to be desired and seen by whiteness and to be accepted by them in order to accept myself. You know, I was definitely working from an outside in as mm -hmm. opposed to an inside out approach. And then also the plug of what systems am I participating in because they serve my so-called uh, air quotes success. Mm. And do, am I really ready to step away from those systems and being honest about that? Yeah. yeah. Was it the type of thing where you see the elephant in the room and now you can't undo it? You can't unsee it? Oh, hundred percent. You know, like ignorance is bliss until you've tasted bliss. And then the rest is just ignorance. <laughs> like, and so once you see the elephant like that, that thing is, that thing is haunting you. Uh, you know, it's 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 true. It can be so annoying to to change our lives, to take back our worth, to take back our worth can be hard. Not can be. It probably is hard for all people, but it is so worth doing because when you taste the freedom, you know, you're like, ah, oh, that's I'm capable of more of that. Yeah. You've seen the data, my friends. Americans today, more than ever, are paying attention to their health and overall well-being. It has especially become a priority for those who are working hard and playing hard well into their 40s and 50s and beyond. This is more than just a trend. The recalibration of thinking is causing people to be more conscious about what they consume and how their actions impact their environment. Enter Remedy Plus. Remedy Plus is a premium line of natural plant-based nutritional supplements, topicals, and snacks. Each product is uniquely formulated to help adults address specific performance challenges they face during different points of their daily routine. Now, my approach to health has always been one of a holistic standpoint. I've always wanted to optimize my health and my well-being, trying to just be the best version of myself and my health as I possibly can. And, you know, I've looked for products that I could use that I can incorporate into my daily routine that I feel really help me achieve the level of performance that I can and also help me focus throughout the day. 
and I can use Remedy Plus rub on my knees after a long run. I can take some of the caps if I'm needing a little bit more help in my recovery. And I can do one of the shots if I'm needing to focus on my work, like right before I record a podcast. Remedy Plus is the singular name in plant-based performance. It's designed to help people punch above their weight and below their age. So make your health a priority. Head over to MyRemedyProducts.com and use the code ROSIE20 so you can save 20% off of everything available on their site. Go to MyRemedyProducts.com and use the promo code ROSIE20 to save 20% off of everything available on their site. Tell me about the meditation chapter. Always lie when someone asks you if you meditate. Yeah, meditation is a big part of my life. That's one of the reasons I, I like and, and resonated with you so much when I met you, because I don't see a lot of people who look like you in spaces that I really love and appreciate as needed spaces in our society. And when I was 20 years old, I was in a theater conservatory and a young, beautiful woman said to me, hey, do you meditate? And she could ask me if I was like an idiot. And I would say, yeah, I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> So I never meditated a day in my life. And I said, yeah, I meditate. I said, I do it twice a day because uh, I'm extra like that. And she, so we, we ended up dating, y'all. We dated for a while. And I like, I kind of maintain this lie. She would say like, I'm going to wake up early to sit. And I'd be like, oh, I'll do it after class. Like I would just, I would just lie. And I tried, I tried during the lie, but it never really worked because it's hard. And then when I turned 21 years old, she, for my birthday was so giddy. And she got me a plane ticket to Barry, Massachusetts. Like she paid for me to fly from LA to Barry to Massachusetts to go to a seven day silent retreat at IMS Insight Meditation Society, and again, I didn't I didn't say anything, and I went, I went to this thing. She came too. She was also she was like, we're gonna go together to this seven day silent retreat, and I went to this silent retreat, and it was the hardest, greatest, best thing I ever did in my life, and I've meditated every day since. I told her the truth after about the whole thing, you know, like <laughs> it was a really, you know, meditation retreats. Any time in silence is a real time to be able to see yourself for better and for worse. And if you're courageous enough, really for, for worse, like you get to really see who you're trapped in a phone booth with, which is your crazy, wonderful self. And I saw it and I really listened. Like I just, I suffered a lot that week, but I also grew a lot that week. And I have been sitting every day since and deepening what that means to me and my own sort of Buddhist practice. So, you know, not all lies are the same. Don't lie. But like, if you do, <laughs> let the universe move you with where it's supposed <laughs> to go. Fake it till you make it all that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story. And I love, you told me that story actually in person. I think one of our first conversations that we had and I really, it resonated with me. I loved it, especially for myself growing up in East LA and moving to the West side after I turned 18. And I started going to studios out on the side, pretending like I knew what I was doing, you know, like all the yoga poses, you know, that 
you go to these advanced classes, nobody's teaching you anything. You're just kind of following along, you know? <laughs> and I would just like fake my way and sort of just do my best, you know, until I finally started started to get it. And, um, you know, I'd walk into the studio and already feeling a little bit insecure about it. You know, I didn't have the Lululemon pants. I couldn't afford to buy $100 pants. You know, I like showed up in my like... <laughs> my sweats and my hoodie, you know, like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, this thing. And to have to tell somebody that I didn't actually know, or I needed help, or, you know, I'm a beginner. That's not really what you do. You know, you just kind of. Especially in advanced classes, there's definitely a feel in those like advanced level two classes. That's like, if I haven't been here before, everyone knows it, (laughs) you know, like I'm standing out like a sore thumb. Yeah. It's interesting. I know that I know that feeling in those classes. Yeah. Tell me the role of beginner's mind and if there is a role and what it plays in your life currently. I think it plays a huge role. I try every day to start in you. I try every day to have the courage to to unlearn or rediscover something about myself or another person or another thing or to walk away from something if I need to walk away from it. Unplug if I need to unplug. Beginner's mind to me means having the courage to live in the unknown. And the unknown is far more exciting and full of miracle than the known. Like there's greater opportunity beyond our knowing there's more opportunity in that unknown for creativity, for love, for for abundance, for whatever it is, that word, joy, peace, in that unknown space that I can't even comprehend, right? My imagination is limited to what I know, mm-hmm. but there is a place beyond my knowing. And I try to live in that place. And I think that's what beginner's mind does for me as an artist and as a being moving through the world, which they're not separate. Like I am an artist and, and that artist influences how I sit, how I practice yoga, how I go to the climbing gym, how I make love, how I eat my food. I try to start fresh every every day. That's also how you meet someone else's genius, right? Like that's also how you collaborate best and you allow other people to influence you. And influence is always not a bad thing when you're conscious of what's coming in. So when I meet someone, I don't meet them with like, yo, I'm a genius. I know all this stuff. I'm dope. I'm fine. You're like, nah, I know what I don't know. And I'm confident about that. That doesn't affect my worth. Now show me your genius. And maybe I can dive into your pool of genius for a little bit. Yeah, it's so interesting. As you say that, I think about our innate armoring that happens when we meet somebody initially, right? There's this, I guess I could speak for myself. I'm curious if you had the same experience, right? Prior to having any type of spiritual practice, my instinct was to create a wall and not let people in, right? Because it's like, you won't understand me, right? So we it has nothing to do, I, I don't know that, that maybe there is a little ego involved, but for me, it was mostly like, you'll never understand me or my experience. So don't even bother, right? I think it's the, it's the, there's like a human element in us. Like, as I mean, like actual sapiens, you know, like actual humans, we look at another sapien and we have to do the math 
Am I better than this person or worse? Am I stronger? Am I faster? Am I more intelligent? Am I well? We have to like run the numbers on a sort of reptilian level Mm -hmm. for our survival. I do believe that. And I think we're doing it all the time. Now, what I think meditation can allow us to do, or this idea of like expanding our, distancing ourselves from that survivor, cutthroat competition mentality, is we get to meet people with open hearts and open chests and open minds or heart mind, whichever one people like. And we don't have to, we don't have to categorize them or place them in a place. We get to really meet them. And I like often teach an art or in story or what I'm doing is I'm one tiny universe. Rosie's another tiny universe. And maybe together we can make a third tiny universe, but that's only if we're both open to it. So I know that that conflict with meeting someone new, I think part of that is also like, are they trying to take something from me? Are they trying to take my genius? Are they trying to take this from me? Are they trying, right? Or what do they have to give me? We're doing mm-hmm. so much formula. Oh my like, goodness. you know, humans are, we're, at, we're so cool. Yeah, it's exhausting. I'm tired even just hearing about it. I'm like, wow, because you're right. That is the constant like it's train mass. that's going on. Yeah, we're doing this formula and it's epic. And and so acknowledge yourself for like how many things you can process all at once. That's pretty cool. Right? Like, <laughs> that's kind of, that's dope in its own right. But then also, what does it sound like in your mind and in your heart? And what does it feel like when you stop the math and you stop the formula and you just are? I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Prior to the Pandy Wandy, I was not a fan of doing online classes. I was way more of an in-person class person. I loved being in the room with people. I felt a connection and it just would get me motivated to do classes. But obviously, thanks to the year 2020, that has changed. A few months back, a friend of mine had introduced me to the Open app. It offers breathwork, meditation, and movement classes. And it's way more than just an app. They have unlimited live and on-demand classes with teachers that will make you feel like you're in person. I think my favorite part was being able to do a class at the same time as our little friend pod. We decided to show up to Olivia's class. Her voice is so calming. And I love the wind down evening live stream that she does on Sunday. It's such a nice way to head into your week. You definitely get way more than you pay for. It's $20 a month and it's so worth it. You can cancel at any time. And I got to try it for free for 30 days. If you're wanting to join a community that you can tap into from anywhere you are in the world, this is it. Think of this as a mindfulness studio in an app form. I think you're really going to dig it and you can invite your friends to class too. I worked together with Open to get you all 30 days free so you can try it out and see if you'll enjoy it as much as I do. There's a link in the show notes with open.com forward slash loved. I'll be sharing on my social too. And you can check it out on your own at any time with open.com forward slash loved. That's W-I-T-H-O-P-E-N.com forward slash L-O-V-E-D. Use the promo code LOVED for your 30 days free. There's unlimited live and on-demand breath work, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more. Let me know what classes you're trying and maybe we can meet each other there. I'm excited to hear what you think. 
I love that. And even just having that acknowledgement of what it's like to give yourself the bandwidth or the space to know that you're in constant processing. So allow yourself to have that open heart mind. I love that that you said that, all of it. And to allow your universe to coexist with the other little universe that you're encountering or that you're meeting. Um, you know what I love the most about human beings? What? This is why I like people watching. Everybody's shit matters. Like everybody's problems are the most important problems because they're their problems. Like we're all the stars of our own movies. And it's really incredible to travel. That's why travel is so special because you can be somewhere completely else. And like, y'all, you don't matter because they're in their own journey and, and they're having their own love stories over here and conflicts over here and this, and this person stubbed their toe. And all of these things really do matter. And they also don't matter. And they don't matter. And that's what's so incredible about human beings and this, and this ability to create space in us, for us, in our own hearts, in the world. Uh, space gives us perspective. Think about how many people are doing that math all the time. That's that's the noise that's running through society. Yeah. It's loud. Yeah, it's so <laughs> loud and constant and endless. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because you say that I was I was just <laughs> just having this conversation with regards to social media. You know, I'm just like nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Nobody cares. And I'm not going to specify exactly what I was talking about, but like. There is this, nobody cares and it's not important and everybody cares and everything's important at the same time. Both can exist simultaneously because that's just what it is. And at the end of the day, I think it has more to do with you and being in the state of presence, the state of acceptance, the state of openness and understanding that yeah, your mind is going to continually be this processing machine. So what are some ways that you can allow yourself to, you know, be okay when you mess up or give yourself the TLC you need when you stub your toe or when you're in the middle of conflict or when you're in the middle of an epic love story, right? And that's the art I'm interested in. Like as an artist, I'm interested in art that is knows its value and knows it means nothing all at the same time. Like that's art that's alive, that will last a lifetime is it can shake you to your core and also like carry no weight. Like yeah. it's just, it does, it's vibrating. That's what I think of when I think of vibration and we are vibratory beings. Like we're all vibrating. Everything is vibrating. The things with the highest vibration know how powerful they are know how many spells they are casting with each thought, with each word, with each action, but know that like they're also a speck of dust, like all at the same time. That's huge. Wow. I'm like, my mind is blown right now. Are you narrating your book? I did. Yeah, it's you out did. now. You can get it. Oh my God, it's I out mean, now? It's No, you can pre-order it. But yes, you can pre-order the audiobook now. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me about your experience reading your book. I loved it. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the better story. The better story is that they wanted me to audition Stop. to read my own book. Yes. I had to do the same thing for mine, but and that's I hilarious. was heated. Stop. I was heated. <laughs> and my manager was like, chill out. Like, it's just a foot, like, just chill out. Like, just do the audition. And the first one I sent him, like, had so much, like, I was like, <laughs> I read like the intro, you know, I read the acknowledgements. 
And he was like, people don't normally read the acknowledgements. And I was like, send them the damn acknowledgements. Okay. Because I want to see someone else read my acknowledgements. I like the way I said my name, I had all these, like, I was so heated by this idea that they wanted me to audition to read my own book. I got over it. I understand why. I don't think everyone can read their work. Yeah. That said, I got to read my work. It was beautiful. We did it in New York, which is the best place to do it because so much of that book takes place in New York. That's where I'm from. That city and those streets taught me more than than any book. I got to walk many blocks to the studio every day. And, and that was really grounding for me to be among my people, my culture. Because as much as I am, you know, Dominican, Colombian, Latino, Latinidad, whatever, brown, I'm a New Yorker. I hold it in high regard. And I got to be a New Yorker in New Yorker before I put that love into the into the work. But yeah, I'm proud of the audiobook. I had fun. <laughs> that's oh, that's so exciting. And I, I'm excited to listen to it. I mean, obviously I've read it, but to have you because I had you read a portion of the chapter. Did you read the entire chapter or you just I read, read the entire chapter? Yeah. You did. Yeah. Oh. After reading all of the chapters in your book, was there one that reading it out loud maybe incited some new realization within you? Yeah. That last chapter I read you is wonderful. I really like it a lot. It's kind of like as a summary, it feels like it, it can hold the whole book, like it sums it up. But the chapter that I really found a lot of deep love and appreciation for was this student loan chapter. It is something I am so, I have a lot of student loan debt. I'm fortunate that I am not crippled by it. I still get to live and be an artist and make things. I did a lot of scheming and Machiavellian to make that happen. I am so fascinated by this country's, this country doesn't want, it doesn't want winners. Not everyone can win the race. There's a term in Latin America called also rands, you know, and they want also rands. They need people who just run the race and, and this idea of an American dream. And just, there's something about that chapter that I found really beautiful that I was really moved by. And also it lit a fire in me, you know, that like, I believe our job, you are included in this as a storyteller, as a healer, as a sort of medicine woman, as a practitioner, is to disrupt this system that does not care about us. It doesn't inherently care about us. And so we have to create the communities of care. And I believe you're doing that. I believe this podcast is doing that, your art, your books, your, uh, your teachings. And it is our job to create communities that care for each other. Yeah. Oh, that is. So true. And uh, it definitely resonates. What is one, if you can only have one, one shift in perspective or feeling takeaway, I guess, so to speak, that you want your readers to take from this collection of stories? What is it? There's a chapter in the book called Words or Spells in Your Mouth. And I do believe words are spells in our mouth. And I hope that this book is a spell of self-worth, a spell of taking up space. I want bodies of culture, brown, black, however you identify. Hell, I want even white people reading it. I want everyone reading it to know 
the importance of keeping our heart open and taking up space. You know, I want this, I want a lot of more self-worth in the world, especially for those young brown kids who need to see themselves more grander and vibrant, but don't. Because I see you, I hear you, we hear. You know, like, I hope this is a manifesto of taking up space and of self-worth because we do not need their eyes. We first need our own. We need our own love. And radical change and radical shifts can happen, you know, and radical love can take place when we cast these spells of self-worth. Thank you so much for writing this, for sharing your art, your wisdom, your heart, for your raw honesty, your authentic way of showing up. It, it truly is. Like I said, when I opened your book and I read that dedication, I instantly felt like like I was home. And I think that the more, oh my, that makes me emotional even just thinking about it. And there's so much heart and truth to everything that you you write about, you you speak about. And I'm so, so, so excited to share this with everybody here, to share this with the world. And we are here. And I can't wait for everybody to get on board and to really start to see what, what transpires for them. So where can people go for more information and to get your book? Yeah, ChristopherRivas.com. The book you can get anywhere where you get books. Go to all the places where you get the books or the audiobooks. Listen to it, read it, do all the things. And then uh, Instagram, Christopher double underscore Rivas. And it's all there. And enjoy the book. And they're also turning the book into a podcast that uh, you are on, Rosie, yes. called Brown Enough. So the book is a podcast as well called Brown Enough. There's some, a lot of really beautiful art and storytelling happening and spaces of belonging. And yes. I'm really just glad to be in, in one of these many spaces of belonging. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And for those of you listening to this podcast, we are giving away 10 copies of Brown Enough. Hey. So, <laughs> so if you're listening to this or you're watching it on YouTube, all you have to do is share this episode and tag both Chris and I on Instagram if you're sharing it on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And the first 10 people win, I kind of like to create that, like, just do it now. <laughs> so yeah, if you're listening to this, we drop on Fridays. Do it right away and we'll send you a copy. Also, those of you that are here for the first time, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. This has been such a labor of love for me. We're getting close to 500 episodes. Wow. And yeah, it's been a long time. So thank you all so much for your support and for... Just, yeah, helping us share our stories. Thanks again, Chris, for being here. I look forward to staying connected. Thanks, y'all. Uh, you're the best. Rosie, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com. <laughs>